We're halfway through the month of November, which is the month that kicks off with All Saints Day and All Souls Day, and it's a month where we really think about and pray for the dead. And today on Let Me Be Frank, Bishop Frank Caggiano is going to help us meditate on death. What will our deaths look like? What comes after? And how do we prepare ahead of time? That is ahead today. So keep your radio right here, 1350 AM, 103.9 FM, or keep us on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or veritascatholic.com. And if you're listening to Let Me Be Frank on an app or on your podcast, you can help us out by going and giving us a five-star rating or a review. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities. The reach is broad, the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. My name is Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Um, we are on the fast track to Thanksgiving. Amazing. Oh, my no? word. Where did the year go? <laughs> it's unbelievable. And the funny thing is, like, when I celebrated Mass at St. Mary's Cemetery on All Souls Day, I had the vivid recollections of last year's Mass, right? And I thought to myself, my gosh, the whole year has gone by. It's like Thanksgiving. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving, right? I remember shopping last year. It was like it was like yesterday, and now I have to do it again. It's amazing. Is, is the time flying so fast because we're getting older? Each year is relatively less of the time we spent here? The, you know, it's funny. My nephew, who does a lot of reading, yeah, and I'm very proud of him for that, and a lot of eclectic topics, and I'll defer to the doctors and psychiatrists who listen to this. Or, well, the psychiatrist, you have to, don't make any judgments. <laughs> right? uh, that it's, it's, it is a function of aging. It's a, it partially because like patterns become similar, routines become more ingrained. And therefore, what I'm going to call the wonder and awe of life that causes you to stop becomes, it can become can become less and less frequent. And so in the routine, it's perceived as faster. Yeah. Right? And I do see it in myself. Like my routine, I, I live a busy life. And of course, I have lots of stuff, particularly this time of year. Before we went on, I was, I was really bemoaning the fact that I feel like there's awful lot of stuff. Uh, overwhelmed is not the right word, but certainly pressed. Yes. Very pressed. Your plate is full. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But- so that does break the routine for me. But generally speaking, I have a routine. Yeah. And so the days go, but like the week goes by very fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, when a little child can sit for an hour just playing around with, I don't know, blocks or mm -hmm. what. And it would seem presumably, I would think psychologically, as like a long time. And for us, we just fly through it to say, because I have something else to do. Right. Right? Yep. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Of course, that's our topic for today, at least one of our topics. And that is uh, to talk about what November as 
as Christians, particularly as Catholics, what November calls us to, right, is the month of praying for those who are faithfully departed, to ask the help of the saints in our journey, which is the beginning of the month, and then the rest of the month we pray for the faithful departed. So really, it's the month of purgatory. Yeah. Right? It's the month where we pray for those who have gone before us that through this process of purgation, that they will enter into the glory of eternal life. So I think it is, and of course, the, the month will end this year with the with literally, we'll be on the very cusp of a new liturgical year, a new, right, with the coming of Advent. Yes. And so, and for my Maronite friends, Advent is six weeks, not four weeks. Hmm. So, so they are, if they're not already in Advent, they are just about to enter into that. Ours is only four weeks. So ours is condensed. And this year, Christmas is what? Is I forget. Is it a Monday? It is I Monday. believe it's a Monday. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So then Advent is the shortest it could, well, let me think. Yeah, it's the shortest it could possibly be because the fourth week of Advent disappears. There's only the fourth Sunday of Advent and then that's it. And then you go to Christmas. <laughs> right? So it's the show. And then, of course, if it was a Saturday, it was the longest. But anyway, so that's what I want, I want to talk about, not to depress people, but I think it's a good spiritual exercise. And it's also because I have been reading a book called The Devout Life. Now, it is the companion to The Devout Life that was written by St. Francis de Sales. Mm-hmm. It's written by a deacon, Deacon Matthew Newsom. Hmm. And he, it's an excellent book. It's superbly written. It's very accessible. And it walks you through the devout life. Right? And it does it in such a way that each chapter is no more than four or five pages. So even if you have a very busy life, it may take you a while, but there's no excuse that a person could not find the time to do it. And it has refreshed my memory profoundly of what St. Francis de Sales teaches. And of course, Francis, as you know, his, his fundamental principle is that holiness is lived according to your vocation and state of life, yes. and it's a calling for everyone. So he predated, right, what the Vatican Council taught, what, 300 some odd years later. So in his time, it was revolutionary. Now, I'm not sure if uh, many people actually took Francis de Sales to heart among the general populace of the church, but he inspired many religious congregations. He inspired many, those who we now consider among the saints, they followed his spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. So to think that a monk's way of living and praying is gonna be what a busy mother who has three children, impossible. Right. So what is the, the routine one needs to do? What are the spiritual disciplines one needs to do? And he and, and part of it is the contemplation of figuring that out in your own life. In a way, I must confess too, <clears throat> diocesan priests are bound to the office. Now the office has the office of readings, morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, and compline. In fact, that structure is monastic. But we are asked to keep it in our lives. Now, I know in the busyness, even in my own life, in the busyness of to stop in the middle of the day to go to chapel and pray daytime prayer, for example, doesn't fit 
my ministry. It fits a monk or it fits maybe a religion, but it doesn't fit my ministry. Right. So you, you make shifts. So as I've said many times before, my routine in the morning during my, my holy hour is I pray the office of reading, morning prayer, and daytime prayer because it's daytime somewhere on earth. <laughs> Right, so I feel like I'm connected, <laughs> but because I want to make sure I fulfill the obligations, and I enjoy praying the office, but I could possibly guarantee every day I could find the time to do that. Right, so Francis de Sales is applicable in sisters' ordinary ways yes. of life. Right? So the first thing before we go into the meditations, right, the first thing that people really need to examine, and this is a good time to do it, November, because we're going to start a new pastoral year, and in a sense, it's our New Year's, and since you could have New Year's resolutions and the whole thing. Um, so what is my routine of prayer that fits my vocation? How does that routine of prayer and spiritual discipline, which is more than prayer, so it's prayer, it's spiritual reading, it's spiritual disciplines, it's uh, the acts of mortification, it's the awareness of your consciousness of the presence of God, which is an essential element of holiness. You don't have to be in mystical contemplation to be aware of God's presence when you're driving. You know, the, the, the spiritual, you know, acclamations one could build into one's life can fit the vocation. So you, you may say, well, what is this man talking about? Right? Well, I, I, people will hear me in the hall as I'm dragging up bags here at the seminary to the second floor. I said, Lord, have mercy on me. But Lord have mercy. <laughs> now that's not just pious words, although sometimes it is because I'm I'm distracted or I'm not paying attention. But it actually is I'm saying something that I can hear myself to reflect that, yeah, the Lord does have mercy on you. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for the Lord, you couldn't come up those steps in the first place. Mm -hmm. you, you, you would be zero. Yeah. Right. So what are the disciplines? What's the structure? And what does one pray for? in their spiritual life. Because I would think a parent who does not pray for his or her children is not seeking holiness in the vocation of their life, right? If there's a priest not praying for the holiness, right, and the spiritual intentions of the people of his parish, then it's not seeking holiness according to vocation of life. If a bishop is not praying for the holiness and intentions of his priests, he's not fulfilling his vocation. Right? So there is, we have what, how many, two weeks left, give or take? This is a very good thing for us to really reflect on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts, Steve, from your end, from your vocation? It's father and no. and commentator and business person and the whole thing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm praying all the time for, so I never thought about that because I pray for my kids every day, like all the time. And uh, I never considered that if I wasn't doing that, I would not be fulfilling my vocation <laughs> as their parent. I guess it's just something that I, I just always did. And I'm always praying for Veritas and I've got a ton of people who, Oh, uh, sure. I pray oh, for, you know, by sure. name and, and things. But sure. Um, sure. the sure. routine of prayer is something really that is, um, I, I actually confess this a lot <laughs> in confession that I'm not, I'm not regular enough with mm -hmm. my routine mm -hmm. of prayer. And um, yeah. <laughs> common. It's common, my friend. It's common. Because 
our life has become so busy. But another thing to think about, and this came up in a meeting I had with Father Peter Towsley in the Missionaries to the Family, that movement that he is yes. that he's very active in. He's, he's national spiritual, a chaplain of it. And the couples were magnificent, on fire, uh, a great blessing. One of the insights they shared, which, I mean, intellectually I understood, but I didn't really process it until I was driving from the meeting to, to my next event, was their absolute insistence that a married couple pray together as husband and wife. Hmm. Not pray for each other separately alone, but the vocation of being married demands that your soulmate who is chosen for you but from the beginning of time so that he or she could lead you unto eternal life, right? You need to pray with that person. Now, that's interesting. Because I'm not exactly sure how many married couples do that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so like we, Rula and I will do um, like the rosary and mm -hmm. sometimes the divine mercy, mm -hmm. things like that together. Mm -hmm. What I really would love to do, and I tried it once or twice, and it's so awkward, I guess, in the beginning. I guess it'll get better if I am more consistent about it. It's just a, a more spontaneous prayer, mm -hmm. you know, praying from the heart for each other, with each other. Mm -hmm. I tried it. It's so awkward in the beginning. No, it's, oh, of course. No, of course. Well, you know what it is, why it's awkward in part? It's because even though you were married many years, you are discovering a level of intimacy or a type of yeah. intimacy that you have not explored yet. Yes. Which is fascinating because, again, I am not married, but I would think that in the early years of married life, when a couple is young and their passion is deep and their attraction to each other is beautiful, a lot of the expression of intimacy could be physical. But as one grows older, there's a profundity that comes to that love where you still are attracted to each other, obviously, but it's, it's a more mature attraction. So then what, where, where does intimacy, how does it develop and grow? Right. So when children comes, when children come, it, it grows, it includes them. So now suddenly it's not just two, it's two plus whatever. And then that sort of spiritual intimacy. And yeah, it would be kind of awkward because it's you're exploring something new, but it was always there. Yeah, yeah. Right? We talk about development of doctrine, that development of doctrine is not changing doctrine, it's developing the inner, deeper meaning of it that was always there from the Lord. Yes. Same thing. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. I do want to learn how to do it. Yeah. Same thing for a priest. Now, you know, I joke I'm getting older. Yeah, I am. I'm not old, though. I mean, in a sense, I've got lots of more years to work work to do. And I'm happy to do it because I love my ministry. <clears throat> but I do wonder to myself, okay, the day after so-and-so date where the Pope, whoever the Pope is, I mean, I presume if Francis is still the Pope, when I'm eligible for retirement, he'll be almost a hundred years old. Oh my word. Imagine? <laughs> anyway, so presuming it's he or somebody else, what do I do the next day? Like, honestly, it's like I'm a, I live a life that is super active. And then what is my, how does my prayer change? How does my intimacy with my people change? For they have been passed on to another shepherd. Hmm. That's why priests, many priests have a difficult time retiring. Yeah. 
And I think in their vocation, like my vocation, we need to explore the, this intimacy of, of with the Lord that for the season we have it, it becomes part of the structure of our life. And when we do not have it, then something else takes its place. So for example, active ministry, you pray for your people in a very particular way. Because I remember when I was pastor, I prayed for my people, but I also prayed for people by name because I knew what their struggles were. They asked me to pray for them. And I tried to remember, sometimes I used to keep lists too. And I prayed nobody would find me, you know, in my room. So when you retire, still people like you say will, you know, contact you, but then you're praying in a different way. for the, And then your intimacy of walking alone with the Lord can grow. Mm -hmm. Which now, let's say for yourself as a parent, father, husband, all the rest that you do, that intimacy with the Lord is a precious gift. There will come a time when you will have a lot more time to do it. And therefore, it changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So I think Francis de Sales is brilliant. Let me just say that. He's a doctor of the church. I, I would recommend that absolutely every person, and it's so easy to read. Yeah. Every single person <clears throat> read The Devout Life. Yes. Right? Yes. One other thing before we do the meditations, if I may. Have you ever heard the word nosegay, N-O-S-E-G-A-Y? No. All right. So a nosegay is the, uh, this is my, these, this is my definition. I had not, I, I, I had read the devout life. I had forgotten that St. Francis spoke of it. Now the deacon here raises it and it makes sense. But so a, a, a nosegay is the kernel that you take from your spiritual prayer and reflection that accompanies you for the whole day. Hmm. Right? You make it intentional that it accompanies you for the whole day. So it's like the fragrance that you carry, right? That you continue to smell during the day so that the reflection deepens and deepens and deepens and deepens as the day goes on. So we've all had those experiences when we pray and a thought crosses our mind and it, it's rich, but then we don't say, okay, this is what's going to accompany me for the day. That's what would technically is what the nosegay means. Okay. St. Francis. The other interesting parallel is why do we in weddings, like when you go to a wedding and you're the, I don't know, you're in the bridal company, whatever they call uh -huh. it nowadays. Okay. Why do you, why are you given a boutonniere? Just a decoration? I've never thought about it. Well, I didn't either <laughs> until I was reflecting on this uh -huh. because part of it, part of it is to is to retain the fragrance of the occasion. Interesting. It's not just decoration. Is that as you get the whiffs of the smell, particularly in, in our age, you know, it's all kind of like, these flowers, you go to florists, God knows how old they are, blah, blah, blah. But if, but if you were to just literally take a rose off the bush, yes. you would smell it. Yes. Yeah. So so the fragrance of the occasion accompanies you. I, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Right? It's beautiful. And that's part of the reason we do flowers at church. Not because God needs the flowers. Excuse me, he owns them. <laughs> I'm not giving it to him. He owns them already. <laughs> 
but it's the fragrance mm. that long after. So you imagine you go to Holy Communion, right? And you stay in church. If you're close enough, the fragrance still reminds you of the fragrance you have interior. Mm. Right? That's the genius of, of Francis de Sales. Wow. Hmm? So what's the meditations? Okay, so, so let's get to the heart of the matter. This was a long intro. <laughs> but I had three cups of coffee, so that's why it took a while. <laughs> uh, Francis says, if you want to seek the devout life, or in our terminology now, to seek radical holiness in Jesus Christ, according to the vocation God has given to you, there has to come a point early in this journey when you do a general confession. That is, you put all of the dirty laundry and wash it. You, you look at your entire life, not just the sins from your last confession, but all the sins of your life. Yes. And just lay it all out there. And he provides meditations, 10 of them, to help guide a person in the general confession that a person needs to make. And the deacon in this book has brilliantly created those 10 meditations as two pages each. So after page 50 of this book, right? So the title is The Devout Life, A Modern Guide to Practical Holiness with St. Francis de Sales. Okay. After page 50, or 51, I should say, then he has 10 meditations. And the idea is one would do these meditations every day. And they're created the same way as Francis says, this preparation, which we sometimes forget. So again, this is a lesson Francis teaches for everyone. When you sit to pray, how do you prepare before you pray? How, how, how do you actually create the disposition to begin to pray? And many times I fall into the trap of sitting down spending a few moments and then I, I, I be Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I begin. And then I realize that I'm not recollected as much as I should be until 10 minutes if, into the prayer. Hmm. So how long does it take you to create the awareness of the presence of God in your life, like right this moment? Some days, 30 seconds, some days, 15 minutes, mm -hmm. because there's so many questions in your mind, which and my mind's haunted with all these questions that I have to get done. And what I've discovered in my uh, – in my spiritual journey of life is it's better to kind of raise the questions, try to answer them, write some notes and then put it aside. Yeah. Then pray. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So, so all of them begin with that and all of them begin by asking the Holy spirit to inspire the prayer intent before you do anything else to ask the Holy spirit to not only open your heart, but your mind and dispose your will to what the Holy spirit will reveal to you. So therefore, it's interesting that this may sound a little controversial, but the length of prayer is not as essential as the depth and quality of prayer. So one could spend a holy hour every day and entertain questions, musings, do spiritual reading, and never and not meet the Lord. The Lord's sitting there on the altar, if he's in a monstrance or at the tabernacle, and it's like you're two passing ships in the night. And the fact that one did an hour is almost irrelevant. Mm. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you have a half hour 
for argument's sake, in, especially in the vocation one has, which may be very busy. And there's a true disposition, awareness, asking the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You guide yourself through perhaps prayer or, or the rosary or, and allow your spirit to move wherever the spirit guides so that you may cease the words to, to, to do the nose game, to figure out what the fragrance is, what the Lord wants you to take for the rest of the day in some way, shape, or form, is, is far more fruitful. Yeah. It's far more practical. So if someone says, I can't do this stuff, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> so the preparation. So the 10 meditations, what I want to focus in on are towards the end, right? Starting with the fifth meditation, which is the meditation on death. Mm. Not a popular topic. But quite frankly, it's a topic that we need to look at, particularly in the month of November. So let me ask you a question. How often in your prayer have you sat and imagined what your death would be like? What would, what would the moment look like? Yeah. Have you ever done that? No. What the day and hour would be? Will it be summer or winter? Will it be in the day? around people or in the quiet of the night when you're all alone? Will there be a priest there to help you, anoint you or not? Will he be there to hear your confession or not? Right? If you, if, will your death be the result of the end of chronic illness or a surprising moment that you may or may not be prepared for? And not to be morbid, but this is a healthy, and, and Francis asks that you, you and I spend time contemplating what will be the moment of death and how different it can be and how are we prepared for any moment of death that comes to us. And I must confess, I've been thinking about that. I, I, I always joke, I said, when my death comes, I'd like it to be glorious, like right at the end of mass, you just come off the altar, boom, die, and people <laughs> say, I remember that he died right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my luck, I'll die in the elevator going up the scuffles, right? The door will open. <laughs> but, but when will Frank Edgiano meet death? There's, there's a famous Agatha Christie story. It's based on Egyptian lore. It's, it's based on an ancient lore about meeting death at the appointed hour and how a person encounters death and gets on a horse and rides through the desert thinking that he's escaping death. And when he gets to the oasis, there is death. And death says to him, this was the appointed time for us to so you think you're escaping, which actually riding into it. Yeah. Right? The other advantage here is it gives urgency to the present moment. Death. Yes. Because we live in the solution. We'll always have another day to say, I'm sorry, another day to do some act of mercy, another day. And the day may not come. That's what Sir Francis says, right? The other St. Francis of Sisi. Yes. Yep. Right? Okay. So then if you look at that, then the second part of that meditation is to say, look at all the ways you and I have used our time up to this point. And how much of that time have we have spent 
preparing us for that moment of encounter with Sister Death, Assisi, Francis Assisi says. Now, some of it has been spent in sinfulness. That's hardly a way to prepare for judgment. Mm. Some of it has been doing virtuous and spiritual acts. That does prepare us. But what about the stuff where, which kind of like, forgive me for putting it, but just kind of like mindless. <laughs> now, we talked about routine before. How is that preparing me to give the gift of my life back to God? Yeah. And could part of the practical holiness you and I need to work on, or all of us need to work on, is to shift some of that, that mind, again, mindless is a judgment, but you know, kind of the routine, kind of the stuff that we don't really think is either good or bad. It's, it shift more of it intentionally to the good. Yes. To form us in life. And then he says, now this is the killer. Then he says, imagine the moment when you have to say goodbye. Goodbye to the people you love. Goodbye to your friends. Goodbye to your possessions. Goodbye to your vocation. Goodbye to your reputation. Goodbye to your body, which will decompose, even though your soul will go forward, awaiting the resurrection of the body. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, and not to get melodramatic, although, you know, it's part of my personality. If today I were to die and the Lord said there was only one person you could call to say goodbye before you meet death, who would you call? And for me personally, being a celibate, I don't have a wife and I don't have children. So who would I call? And that gives you a glimpse into the orientation of your life. Mm. And to say goodbye to that person, like it kind of like it will break your heart. But on the other hand, in faith, it's the temporary goodbye for the future eternal hello in eternal life. So, and then of course he sets the stage for the next meditation, right? And the next meditation is the meditation on judgment, which we can do, I guess, after our break. Yeah, I was so engaged in what you were saying that uh, we blew right through our normal break time. <laughs> but <laughs> <Sorry>. it's okay, because <laughs> we own the network, so we can do whatever we want timing-wise. But. Um, but we, we should take a break because uh, we do have a sponsor here. So um, this is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Uh, His Excellency is um, sharing with us meditations on death. And uh, there'll be more to come after the break. Be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. 
This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, you were, uh, you were walking us through some meditations based yeah. on the uh, ideas of St. Francis mm-hmm. de Sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to end the meditation on death, he speaks of the two paths. I mean, there are not three paths. There are two paths to eternal life and to eternal death. Purgation is the purgation necessary to enter into eternal life. So they are three in the interim, two in the finality, right? And then he asks the question at the end of the meditation, the, which path are you, uh, are you on? Which path is, is if, if you were to die today, which path is going to be your destiny, yeah. judgment, right. inheritance? And most people don't think of that, honestly. They don't, especially in the secular world. Yes. Right? So then the next judgment is, uh, the next meditation is on judgment. Now then the, the deacon has a, a very beautiful passage here that I want to read, if I may. And he's summarizing St. Francis de Sales. He says, all of humanity will rise from the dead. Some will be beautiful, others ugly and vile. And all will stand, you and me among them, before God and his angels. Because it is beautiful in the virtue and grace one has lived, and it is ugly in the deformation of our lives that will become clear in the light of judgment, what we really look like. And remember, in judgment, your body is in the grave. So we're talking, what what does your spiritual profile look like? Yeah. And I, don't, I often don't think of that myself, to be honest. But we're forming our spiritual life in such a way that it's almost like taking the mask off and then what does it really look like? Hmm. And then this is the other issue in judgment. In a moment, in a moment, one moment, your entire life is revealed, all of it. All the sins, all the virtues, all the acts of grace, all the inspirations, all the moments of prayer, all the betrayals, and all the secrets. Boom. One moment, everything revealed. And the funny thing is, judgment is individual. But there's also an element where that which is revealed is revealed to all, not just to God. You may say, well, that why? Well, because every act I've taken has an effect on others. Yes. So could you imagine, Steve, standing in the celestial hall, 
And every single secret of your life from when you were born is revealed to everyone. So why have them? (laughs) 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 And why create more of them as we get older? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, it, it is extraordinarily humbling to think that because we've all confessed sins in our past that we would be mortified if people heard or knew, and yet they will. Yeah. Not in judgment, but in mercy, because that's who we are. We, we, the sins are forgiven, right? But the damage is done that we can't undo. We've talked about that. So in one moment, it's all revealed, and in judgment, could all be healed, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to pur- purgation and then eternal life. Yes. So... Do you remember Matthew 25 when it's the sheep and the goat? St. Francis de Sales, the deacon reminds St. Francis de Sales says, in the meditation, there is one word that he wants us to reflect on. Take a guess what the word is. Uh, Gosh, I have no clue. (laughs) It's one of two words. Mm Mm-hmm. The first word is depart. The same the, the scripture says, Jesus, depart from me. You are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Depart. Mm-hmm. That single word is the end for those who are not going to glory. One yeah. word, depart. You have chosen to separate yourself from God. Therefore, I have no choice as your loving God to say, leave. I mean, talk about, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And then the second word, right? In 34, Matthew 25, 34, Francis says, the other word to meditate is the opposite. Enter. Jesus says, come. Hmm. Yeah, same thing, same idea. You are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom. Come. So let's look. Imagine, Steve. Imagine ourselves as little children. Remember when we would be playing or wherever we were and we saw our parents or our grandparents or someone and they said, come, come, come. And what did we do? Vroom, you you ran. ran right to them yes. into their arms. Right? That's what judgment's going to be like. Yeah. Right? Come. But imagine if the parent who loves you so dearly says, Leave, depart. That's the meditation on judgment that Francis wants us to to ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us so that what? We would reject our sins, embrace God's mercy, and, 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 and form a life where we become more and more less apt to sin. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the next meditation <clears throat> is going to cause people all worked up. Hell. You've thought about it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So what do you imagine hell to be? Uh, when I was a kid, I always thought of it as, you know, fire and being poked mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stabbed by, you know. Yeah. By Little demons. demons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I know it's, I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean. 
it's um it's the complete absence of everything that God is, which is joy and love and peace. Mm-hmm. And I just can't mm-hmm. even comprehend what that what right. having none of that would be like. Right, right. You know, it's it's interesting. The deacon points out that Saint Francis de Sales points out the meaning of Gehenna. Remember in scriptures better to have your eye ripped out or whatever than go to into Gehenna. Yes. And what is Gehenna? Now Gehenna is a valley located not far from Jerusalem where the Canaanites once practiced child sacrifice. And in Jesus's time, now imagine in Jesus's time, it is the place where the bodies of criminals and garbage was burned. So when Jesus said Gehenna, the people would have heard, well, this is where people in garbage are incinerated to nothing, Hmm. to ashes. So it's unwanted stuff with no purpose. That is a powerful image the Lord is using for us to reflect on. But Francis de Sales, it's interesting, describes hell this way. And the deacon says it in number two on the meditation on hell. He says, Francis, St. Francis de Sales describes hell as a place where our senses will be punished according to the sins we committed with them. So if your eyes were the cause of sin because of lust and evil gazing, then hell will be for you, whoever the you happens to be, a place where you will look upon the evil, terrible, frightening, horrifying sight of the devils forever. Hmm. If your ears, oh, now this is a durable, this is so durable, as we say in Italian, this is like really tough. <laughs> if your ears were the place where conversation of gossip was welcomed, come on in, let me hear, oh, I love it, come on, more, 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 more then forever hell will be the place where you will listen to the weeping, lamentation, and despair of those around you and you forever with no respite, no end. And he goes on for the other senses. Mm -hmm. What a fascinating way, right? Because what's the implication? The implication is our five senses, we're made in the image and likeness of God. So our five senses are, are, are designed to allow all of the outside world to come so we could commune with it in a way that reflects the glory of God. So if you deform them, and in that moment, the Lord says, depart because he's respecting your choice, then the only thing you're left is this deformation. Hmm. You've created them in such a way. That's the only thing they, they will admit in. Yeah. So to your point, hell is eternal separation from God. It's to have your choice not to love and not to be loved permanently ratified. And it is to live an eternal contradiction because in the end we were created in the image and likeness of God to be loved and to love and therefore you are eternally in contradiction with who you are. So what's the, what's the resolution, right? What are the, the, uh, the F, what's the nose gay here? Could be many things, but to, to keep the image of the father who says, come to avoid that can give great consolation. 
right? Great encouragement. Mm -hmm. The opposite is heaven. Right? So what do you imagine heaven to be like? Uh, I mean, I, I pick the way I picture it is, uh, you know, reunion with all the people that I know mm -hmm. and love mm -hmm. in this, like, like drowning in this sea of like overwhelming joy together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I don't picture, I don't picture myself sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp and being quiet. In, in a toga. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You're very unflattering for me personally. <laughs> I would much rather a suit pants or something. <laughs> well, but it's got to be like a like a party. I mean, it's heaven. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, it's fascinating though, right? Because the operative word for heaven is joy. Mm. And we've always we've spoken about the difference between joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. So... Heaven, one way to describe heaven is to say that the restlessness of the heart finds its, its source. And that all the source of our doubts and fears and anxieties and worries are all healed. Hmm. And with all of that healed, then your self-gift is complete. Because you can give it all away because you will get it all back. And as you said, in a sea of infinite returns. St. Thomas speaks of, he of, of heaven as an everlasting falling ever more in love with God. Which sounds theoretical, but if in our own experiences, if you've fallen in love with someone or love someone deeply, and you have those moments when that love is so beautiful and so tangible, and so imagine that that moment would then grow to a deeper moment for all eternity. I mean, it kind of like blows your mind away. So who, who, uh, who are we going to meet in heaven? This is the eighth meditation. So Francis says, spend some time imagining who you will meet in heaven by name. Who are these people? So can you imagine that when you enter into this life, you will look at our lady face to face? Oh, wow. Right? You will look at St. Joseph. You will meet St. Joseph. You will meet the saints. Your, the saints that we've been asking help for all these years, right? Yeah. Or you'll meet them. You, and, and there's a communion there, right? You said it before. All the people went before you. So you got to give name in the meditation. Who? Who? Mom, my mother, first one. All right? And you could imagine that moment where it says, come. So the father says, come. Well, imagine all who are in heaven will say the same thing. Come, yeah. come and run into their arms. Can you imagine? Now, why the blazes would anybody sin if this is what we're talking about heaven is? <laughs> right. I can't wait. <laughs> but the point is we don't meditate on what heaven is. That's why we're so apt at times to say, ah. Yeah. So this is so practical, what Francis de Sales is saying. It's just so practical. Ah, one more, if I may, just one more. Right. And it's meditation number nine, and he speaks about your choice, my choice, our choice. Uh, the choice for or against the Lord is actually not a single choice. 
it's a multitude of choices that leads to what I'm going to say, a single choice made over life. When we stand before God in judgment, the life we lived is the choice we will make before him. For while the thief on the cross in one hour had this repentance, that happened on this side of death. But when we enter into this mystery, it is too late. Mm -hmm. So whatever it was that we lived, all the choices we made, the disposition we have, right? When we stand before God and we will either hear the words come or depart, it is because our life has lived in a zillion ways the answer to that question. And every choice matters. Yeah. When you look at it that way, then my gosh, it's a totally it's a totally different way of looking at ordinary life. It's a totally different way of looking at our spiritual life. And quite frankly, it 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 eliminates this mindlessness, this going through life kind of on the surface. Christianity demands that we do not do that. Mm-hmm. So to kind of summarize, I think for us, why don't we, you, me, our listeners, use these days before the start of the new liturgical year? And why don't we spend some time really looking at these fundamental questions in our lives? Use these to meditate, maybe one each day, just like St. Francis de Sales. I recommend everybody buy this book, without a doubt, and read it. And then See what changes we have to make. Sometimes they're not major changes in our life, but sometimes they're like small corrections. Sometimes there are major changes so that we can profit. Because in Advent, we're going to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Do we actually mean it? Do we actually mean to say, Jesus, come to me right now? Do you really mean it? Mm-hmm. If you mean it, are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you know what you're asking for? <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. I've worked myself up into a sweat. I have to relax. <laughs> Who's the, the the name of the book is The Devout Life, A Modern Guide to Practical Holiness. Who's the author, Excellency? It's Deacon Matthew Newsom, N-E-W-S-O-M-E. And it's published by Sophia Press. Ah. And we like mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Tremendous. It's, it's excellent. Excellent. You know, uh just on the other side of death, mm-hmm. Excellency, and we you know, in the four or five minutes we have left just losing somebody, which is, uh, as you know, has been on my mind a lot over the past week or so since I lost my, my, my ruler lost her mother, uh, Mm -hmm. on, on all saints day actually. Mm -hmm. But so, uh, it's just so important to make sure we pray for those who have passed away that they're on their way to where we all want to go. Amen. It's also okay to cry about it. But you it. have to. You see, there's a difference between the our human affection and attachment and the divine, if I may call it the divine, or the spiritual resignation that comes from faith. So there is nothing wrong with letting go of someone in the confident knowledge that God will care for them and love them more than I ever could. Yeah. And that their suffering and pain is over. Yeah. But at the same time, miss them. Yeah. 
Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Because, because in our human life, we had the privilege of having them physically with us. So if, if someone says, you know, if I'm a Christian, why would I feel bad? Of course you're going to feel bad. Why would you not feel bad? Right. <laughs> but you still let go. Yeah. I, I, I've been picturing over, over the past week or so, or two weeks or so, I've been picturing Jesus kneeling at Joseph's grave. And we already know that he wept at Lazarus's tomb, but mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. Jesus knew where his, his earthly father was going mm -hmm. and he knew mm -hmm. what awaited Joseph in mm -hmm. heaven. Mm -hmm. And yet I just picture him kneeling at Joseph's grave and just crying, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, because he knows he's going to see him again, but he misses him and, and that really hurts. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And of course you remember, Joseph, like John the Baptist, died before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. Before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So they died in the assurance, right, of faith. They died with the intuition of faith. Joseph raised Jesus. He knew, he knew in some depth who he was, even though he perhaps couldn't put it into words, right? But did not see his death and resurrection. He did not encounter until he, the Lord ascended into heaven, to yes. your point. Right. So can you imagine the encounter of the Lord in glory ascending to the right hand of his father and his foster father be there among the ones to whom either Jesus said come or yeah. Joseph said, come. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> imagine what that was like. Yeah. And imagine the father looking at that and being very well pleased. Yeah, yep. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay, this was great. Um, we'll take one more break, Excellency, and then we'll come up back on the other side with a mm -hmm. listener question. Mm -hmm. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back. Hey, it's Matt from Restless on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Each week on Restless, we young adults restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. Join us each Friday at noon on 1350 AM, 103.9 FM, the Veritas app, or wherever you get your shows. Hope to see you there. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Uh, so, Excellency, here is uh, this week's listener question. Mm -hmm. uh, straightforward. It says, what is college seminary and what mm -hmm. is major seminary? Well, it's a great question. It, it has a simple answer. Uh, college seminary is, the, is for seminarian men who are discerning a priesthood, for them to get both their collegiate education as well as the necessary philosophy to move on to the theologate, which is when they apply themselves to the actual proximate preparation in theology and pastoral ministry to be formed and ordained as priests. You know what I was thinking, Steve, based yes. on this question? We should invite Father Chris Ford to come on our podcast, who is our vocation director, because there have been significant changes in the program of priestly formation. And the new posters were just issued 
that use language that would be very unfamiliar with a lot of our listeners. And I think it'd be great because Father Ford's doing a phenomenal job. And he could maybe spend some time explaining the whole process of priestly formation, which is kind of implied in this question. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like Father Ford very much. I'm just kidding. He's a great guy. I, I love Father Ford. So, yeah. Oh, you uh, want to know what he says about you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So, if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it in on social media or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. What a what a great topic for this month, Excellency, yeah. and thank yeah. you for very much for walking us through those meditations. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, and it's, it's for my own sake as much as anybody who's listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Shall yes. we? Yes. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In mindful of those who have gone before us, the faithful departed, we pray. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. May their souls and all the souls of God's faithful in his mercy rest in peace. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friend, I'll see you next week. Thanks, Excellency. Thank you.